really got to try on that left-hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome once again to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the podcast that brings you news, results, great interviews, and so much more, all about the world of rugby union. As always, I am David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan who follows the game wherever I can find it, all over the globe. This is episode number 20. That's a a minor milestone of which I am rather proud, and uh, it it brings us that much closer to me making good of my promise to be here 52 weeks out of the year. We're almost halfway there, folks. Um, it's Sunday evening. I got my big fat mug of tea. The last I've realized that the last like six weeks in a row, I've been able to say I got my big fat mug of tea. My Patriots just won, uh, but they haven't. Uh, I can't report that my Patriots won, but that's because they played tomorrow. Um, if they lose, of course, uh, I won't mention it ever again. Uh, if they win, I'm sure to bug you about it next time. Also, quick plug for myself, quick preview. So most of you have listened to my interview with Blaze from BKR Sport down in Australia. Uh, if you haven't, you really should. He's a great guy, and it's a really interesting interview. That was published back on November 10th as part of my uncreatively named Week of Interviews. Well, Blaze has asked me to join him for his pod this week, so be on the lookout for that. I will be advertising the crap out of it, unless, of course, he embarrasses me, which is always a possibility. Uh, anyway. If you want to get in touch, by all means, please do so. I can always be found on Twitter. I'm at of Scrum. You can go to Instagram. I'm at the Scrum of the Earth podcast. And you can always just, you know, just shoot me an email. I'm at the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. Get in touch whenever, however you like. Okay, with all the admin out of the way, let's get into the weekend. So our current updates. So there's really not, you know, nothing too much worth sharing from my own life this week. Uh, I'm sort of settling into the teaching schedule, and other than that, you know, <laughs> my life is full of really exciting stuff that's great to talk about. You know, stuff like raking leaves, going to the grocery store, you know, just the run-of-the-mill sort of superstar lifestyle, and <laughs> just just keeping it real. Uh, also, as I was writing that, it occurred to me, when the world is like the way it is right now, I kind of feel like we should alter that phrase a little bit. I think instead of keeping it real, we should maybe say, let's keep it surreal, you know, just saying. He's stupid! He's stupid! People have to know! That's right. I I guess, uh, you know, this definitely passes for some good news now. So, Munster and Cardiff, for the most part, have finally made it out of South Africa and are back quarantining in the UK. So, according to Rugby World, quote, A party of 42 Cardiff staff were finally able to leave South Africa on Friday morning. That was two days ago for us. um, After their previous planned departure from Cape Town was scuppered. Uh, all but six of the group will leave as those remaining tested positive for COVID-19, unquote. In case somehow you, you've missed all this, uh, again, as summed up by Rugby World, um, on, quote, on 26 November, four United Rugby Championship sides, Cardiff, Munster, Scarlets, and Zebra, faced a race to get out of South Africa as travel bans came in amidst a, of an outbreak of a new COVID-19 variant, that's the Omicron variant in South Africa, and while Munster, Scarlets, and Zebra all got out on a chartered flight last Sunday afternoon, that's actually not quite true, um, but we'll go into that in a sec. Um, but continuing, Cardiff were forced to head back to a hotel and isolate as two members of their group, group had tested positive, including one suspected Omicron case. 
As new avenues were explored to find a way for the squad to isolate back in the UK, much of the conversation turned to how a stay of absence in South Africa was affecting the group, unquote. And by the way, Rugby World, the phrase, a stay of absence, is a nonsense phrase. It doesn't exist, and you should never say that again. Anyway, what followed was stories about panic attacks, generally diminishing mental health, among the players, uh, these things were widely reported. There was lots of people sort of poo-pooing it and immediately to be rebuffed, saying, no, 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 we're, we're in contact with these players, and they are asking us to say these things. It was a big deal. Um, as you probably know. Oh, and by the way, Zebre, they were able to get back really quickly. They, they were able to get back to Italy. Scarlets were able to get back quicker than the other sides. But the issues that would plague Munster and Cardiff, uh, I don't know why in the – the previous quote, it was acting like Munster, we're all fine. Um, they're in slightly better shape in terms of scheduling, health, and availability of squads and so on. But the next few weeks, just they look grim for, for Cardiff. It's it's not going to be good. At least they're back home. Well, not not even home yet, but back in the, the vicinity of home. So as you probably know, the European competitions both kick off next week. And Cardiff, they're going to they're gonna have to bring in boys from the academy, they're going to maybe borrow from other teams just to field a side against Toulouse, you know, a very experienced French team who at the moment must be absolutely salivating at this prospect. What a great start to the comp it's going to be for them, probably. Uh, of course, in all this, the most important thing by a long shot is that, as far as everything I've read, none of the players who did contract COVID were terribly adversely affected by it. Um, there's a real and hopefully legitimate hope that they are not going to be experiencing Long-term effects, but obviously time will tell for that. What a nightmare. However, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I am absolutely chomping at the bit for the Eurocomps to get started. I just can't wait. So stay tuned for a mini bonus pod previewing all the action this coming week. Cardiff and Munster, cheers to you both. I hope things, you know, for whatever it's worth, I hope things are as good as they possibly can be right now for you, considering everything at the moment. So thoughts of the week, and we haven't actually done this in a little while, but um, let's get back to it. So, <laughs> and it's funny because, so my thoughts of the week have get ready for a shock. You all might want to sit down. My thoughts of the week have not revolved around rugby. I know, huge gasp. I understand. Don't worry, don't worry. I found plenty of time to think about the great action of this weekend, but you know, during the week, I've just been continuing to digest. The new Beatles documentary, it's excellent if you haven't started down that long and winding path yet. You know, it definitely requires investment on the part of you, the viewer. Uh, but I can't re recommend it highly enough. It's super good. What, what's been fascinating about it for me is sort of the subsequent reactions. So, you know, I, I watch this massive thing and then I, of course, I have my reactions and then I try to process my own reactions. But since then, I've been sort of seeking out other people's reactions and some of those things are very contrary to my own, which just gives you a whole new thing to think about. So <laughs> there's, here's somebody who doesn't need any help from me in terms of advertising his podcast, but uh, the Bill Simmons podcast, uh, he recently did one where he talked all about this documentary with Chuck Klosterman, who I also absolutely love. And it's just, it's really good. It's, it's, it's really interesting. It's really informative. It made me re-examine some of my own thoughts and feelings about, about the documentary and, frankly, about the Beatles as well. Um, I think I'm going to be continuing to chew on this one for quite some time. So check it out. It's totally worth it. Um, and I will, find, uh, I will add the link to the podcast itself that I'm talking about here in my show notes. I've got a feeling, a feeling deep inside, oh yeah. 
Okay, that brings us to our reviews. And we'll start with the Prem, which I usually do. So the Prem got back to what I think of as its usual schedule, which means one match on Friday, four on Saturday, and then the last one on Sunday. So on Friday, Gloucester versus Bristol. It was an absolutely lovely match. Just incredibly tight until pretty late. Uh, some amazing play, particularly on defense by both sides. And, you know, just go back, do yourself a favor, take a look at these rosters. How are both of these teams not much better than they're performing right now in the league? Um, also, my comment last week, I made a little uh, daring comment about maybe Gloucester's actually good. That might have been a prescient comment. Uh, I mean, just look at their side with people coming back. Just off the top of my head, Adam Hastings, Chris Harris, and Louis Reese Zamet all on your side. Like, it seems like it should be a top tier team, right? So, in the end, Incredible try to end the match. Charlie Chapman scoring a butte in the corner in front of a frothing shed. It was great stuff. That led to a 27-10 bonus point win in the end for the Cherry and Whites. They look to be building some real confidence right now, I think. And then on Saturday, we had Exeter at home for Saracens. Whew. The, obviously, this was going to be the clash of the week in the Premiership. Uh, though in the first quarter, it, it did look like a tight affair, you know, one penalty kick being the only margin between them in favor of the away team. Uh, it was such a good match. It was so good. So <laughs> in my notes here, though, I'm like, I've honestly never heard so much whining and complaining from the comms in my whole life. Like the, the game is great. But of course, they had Austin Healy doing his usual. Why are you even watching this routine along with another guy? Who, whose name I didn't catch, who may have been mesmerized by Austin Healy into sort of just heaping more piles of crap onto the proceedings. I, I'm serious. Prem, y'all need to listen to your product. It's dire. Uh, Austin Healy, why are you getting paid to tell me why I shouldn't be watching the thing I'm watching? I disagree. Anyway, meanwhile, absolutely incredible game. Saracens with a losing bonus point despite having fallen 18-15 to 15 at Sandy Park. And, wow, Maro Toje, he was just sick. I can't even picture a player better than him right now. And the, the brutality of this matchup, oh, my word, everything we were hoping for and more. You know, you have to hope this is a preview of a final for the season, which I guess it could be. What a narrative. What a story that would be. Incredible. Moving on, uh, London Irish were at home for Newcastle. And London Irish have somehow managed to get three draws out of only nine games this year. That seems stunning to me. Um, so it was hard to imagine them faring well against a Newcastle team that have been on fire this year, to me at least. Uh, nevertheless, they came out hard and angry. They really showed some dominance. They were finding themselves up 36 to 14 with only 20 minutes remaining. It was pretty dominant by them. Little side note, the comms are spending a lot of time complaining about how the players don't actually punch each other anymore. And it's a little tiring and it's, it's a little weird. So on one hand, I agree that the en endless shove, grab, grin that goes on after almost uh, almost every confrontation. It's, it's getting kind of old and tiring. I just can't imagine that. So go back to letting them beat each other up is going to be the best solution. So so one of the comms said, oh, okay, well now the little guys can just mess with the big guys because they know they won't get hurt. But yeah, that's what we want, right? We want to know they're not going to get hurt. I think it's 2021. I'm, I'm pretty sure we want people not getting punched in the face. Isn't there... Another sport where you can already watch that? Anywho, really, really nice to see Augustin Creevy scoring another try. He's just somehow, uh, he's just one of the most likable players ever. 
And with the recent plight of the, the Pumas, it's just good to see a former captain doing so well. Great signing from the Nonos. Uh, with that, it was another palindromic scoreline. It was 41-14 to 14 for the Irish, but Newcastle, we have way too many different color and uniforms. <laughs> Falcons, they scored and they converted a try, but as time expired, it, it was way too little, way too late. They still found themselves fairly dominated and more than doubled up. It was 43-21 to 21, all told. So then, Northampton versus Bath, and you know, considering how Bath have looked this year, I, I didn't really want to watch this whole game. And, and sure enough, uh, when I tuned in very late, Agent Furbank was slotting the extras for their most recent try, and that was more than doubling Bath's total. It was 40-19 to 19 at that stage. Uh, and that's where the final score would rest for 10 or 11 minutes. Um, they, the Saints, they might be growing some confidence. They're finding themselves surprisingly in the Prem's top four. I just learned that, and it, it I got to admit, really surprised me. I, I thought I was uh, really up on that, and apparently not. Bath, they continue to look for answers is the nicest way I can think of it. What exactly is wrong with them right now? I don't think I'm qualified to say. Like, their roster seems okay. Like, what is missing? Is it a, is it a coaching thing? Is it a philosophy thing? Is it a culture thing? I, I just don't know. Meanwhile, Worcester, they were at home to face Wasps. So Finn Smith started at 10 for the Warriors. <laughs> Young kid. Uh, the pressure obviously was no doubt slightly alleviated by the fact that nobody has any expectations of any kind for this team. Uh, just, you know, just ask any of the 56 people who bothered to show up. Anyway, I'm probably just bitter because I live near a city named Worcester, and uh, I really want this team to be good, and they are not. Uh, however, with a winger for Wasps getting early medical attention, the comms let slip that Wasps have 18 players unavailable due to injury. Wow, that is significant. You know, I'm sure there's an injury bug joke in here somewhere, but I'm just not going to go looking for it. Uh, by the way, a ton of players are taking advantage of the new rule allowing players to wear tights. You know, considering the mockery with which this decision was initially met, it's somewhat surprising. So I wonder if it'll turn out to be a cold weather thing more than an ordinary thing, though I'm sure if someone has a, a, a great game while wearing tights, he's not going to go back, right? Like, that's the thing. Anyway, 25-14 to 14 was the advantage at the half for Worcester, who are definitely looking a bit of all right at the moment. Uh, they would quickly extend their lead in the second stanza, but they kind of just went cold. So with just over 10 minutes to go, they found Wasps pulling within six and on the attack late in the game. Oh, this was weird. So the ref called a scrum penalty, shouting, No hook! No hook! Which caused the comms to giggle and remark, Well, that's a call I haven't heard in a long time. Uh, could someone explain that to me? I have no idea what that means, and it was completely mystifying. Anyway, incredible ending to follow, with Wasps getting a nutty one down with only about a minute left. But missing the extras, they still trailed by a solitary point. Got I had to laugh at this point, by the way. It felt like, I don't know if it was like late in the weekend, uh, lots of work for these comms, but I wrote down, uh, the comms are really running on fumes right now. I th they just called the teams, quote, the two W's, unquote, which was random enough, before then muttering, quote, Jacob Umaga, where's he off to, unquote. <laughs> so anyway, the, the, the commentary started to get a little wacky. Anyway, um, Worcester Warriors, they looked desperate enough to drop this one. It looked like they were trying as best as they could to just drop another one. Uh, they even risked a meaningless run after the death that could easily have turned into a last gasp for the Wasps. But in the end, they did get it out and secured their victory. It was 32-31. to 31. 
Side note, so great to see Alfie uh, Barbary out, out there again. That guy, he's just next level. Such a joy to watch. So good. And then, to cap the weekend, definitely the matchup of the week all around. On Sunday, we had Lester hosting Harlequins. Okay, before I get to the match itself, just a quick wrap-up of the Premiership League table as it's standing right now as I'm recording this. So keep in mind, with the weird number of clubs, there's an ongoing disparity in numbers of games played. So after this weekend, three teams have played ten matches while the others have all played nine. Uh, that being said, Leicester are very still very much on top, unbeaten at 9-0. Uh, but Saracens, even with the narrow loss to the Chiefs, they're just nipping at the heels at 6-1-2, and two, they've got 32 points. I, I admit, I'm shocked to see Sor- uh, Northampton with a 6-3 and three record and 30 points, followed by a three-way tie for fourth place, a group that now includes Gloucester, for God's sake, uh, London Irish, and Newcastle Falcons. So they're the only other teams to, to claim at least 20 league points. Uh, Wasps, Worcester, Sale, and Bristol are all sitting on three wins. And, of course, sad and lonely Bath. They are scraping the bottom of the league barrel, somehow cobbling together four points while netting not a single victory. As I said last week, woe is Bath at the moment. I can't even guess how they can you know, start to turn things around there. It's just recent history tells me they should get rid of Danny Cipriani. <laughs> That's a move that seems to have gotten teams revitalized, revitalized toot sweet in the recent past. Uh, they're the only ones who can make that move at this moment, so maybe that's the way to go. It feels I feel bad saying that because I like Danny Cipriani. In any event, this league table will evolve in meaningful ways over the next few rounds. I think we'll really start to see who are the haves versus the have-nots in a big way. It's cool. It's exciting. Slightly wacky, the results this year. I love how the Prem is keeping all of us on our toes. Anyway, to the match itself, and so looking at my notes. And by the way, th- this might have been – this was definitely the match of the week – it's got to be the match of the month. It might have been the match of the year, at, at least in the Prem. Um, oh, so good. So looking at my notes, I said it, it, it was all kicks for the first parts. It was super aggressive defense by both sides. Just a really tight match all around. Oh, this was one of my favorite bits, and I, I hope some of you noticed this. So as you know from listening to the pod, I love Joe Marler. I think he's incredible. I think he's one of the best players out there. I think he's playing almost at a, a, a different level than almost everyone around him. So he was doing typical Marler stuff today. He was doing his little, I'm going to annoy you so much that you might blow your stack and do something dumb and get a penalty against you. And he was doing it on Genji. And, you know, Ellis Genji is somebody who might blow his stack at any time. And it was seemed like a, a, a wise investment of time by Marler. And uh, it worked. He was just sort of holding on to the jersey. This is all right around 20, maybe just before 20 minutes. He's sort of tugging on him. He won't let go. He's pulling on him. He's doing all the things that the reps don't have time to look at. And Angie, uh, Genji just lost it. And he just threw a punch. He just threw a roundhouse punch, punched him in the side of the head. And then like made a big deal out of headbutting him as well. However, it seems like I was literally the only person who noticed that. Marler kind of like smiles and looks around like, hey, it worked. No one noticed. No one said anything. And I was like, oh, ah, the, the downside of that type of play. Sometimes you get punched in the face and nobody notices and nobody cares. Anyway, it was it was something else. It was a go back and look at it if you, if you didn't see it. I'm convinced I'm right about this. Anyway, a yellow card, a rare yellow card from Marcus Smith 
led to a 9-6 lead for the Tigers. That was around the 30-minute mark. And the comments mentioned that this was only his second yellow card ever, both of them coming in this very stadium. Very interesting. So Tigers go up 16-9 to before Lewis Linux's try of the week. Oh, my gosh. It was so good. Kicking to himself. He's forced out of bounds. Back in. By the way, that's not a play you can do in the NFL. Uh, oh, my God. It was incredible. So that got them back within two. We headed to the final 20 minutes. What an amazing match. Um, the number of handling errors were the same. The number of turnovers were the same. The, these two sides just can't be closer. Um, what's the next thing I said? Uh, they can't be closer. It was just nail-biting stuff. Uh, Lester got one more penalty on the lineout, and that should be it. But then, what do you know? Harlequins steal a lineout. They get... Uh, they, they get a turnover. Uh, I'm sorry, they get a penalty after the 80 minute mark. They find themselves on attack in the Leicester side, but then their own lineout fails them. Just, oh, just incredible. So the Tigers stay unbeaten just by the skins of their teeth. It was 16 to 14 in the end. What a game. You've got to watch it. It was incredible. Even if you only find the highlights, oh my lord, it, it was the game of the year for sure. So moving on to the URC, to start off, Edinburgh were at home and they won 24 to 10 versus Benetton. So Pierre Schumann, uh, as they say in the stadium, of course, Schumann, he again looked really good, this time off the bench. And a little, uh, little sneak preview here, I am very excited to say the Schumann has agreed, at least tentatively, to join us here on the Scrum of the Earth to discuss his time in Edinburgh, his first caps for Scotland, and lots more. Definitely stay tuned for that one. If, if it actually happens, I've got my fingers crossed, it's going to be great. I mean, in any case, Edinburgh, of course, they, they looked very sharp in this one. They scored four tries to Benetton's one, with Buffelli looking, uh, Buffelli looking like a real gem. Edinburgh scooped him up from the sort of dismantled Puma squad in the offseason, and what a player he's turning out to be. Uh, diving further into the game stats, both teams sort of they, they split the time of possession exactly according to the stats I saw. But obviously, it's what you do with that time that's going to make the difference. Uh, Edinburgh, they they had almost twice as many defenders beaten as the Italian side. It was 23 to 12 on that count. Edinburgh were forced to make a ton more tackles than Benetton. The count, the tackle count was 130 to 92. With, by the way, the Mish making 16 just on his own. What a, what a workhorse he is. However, even with that smaller number, the Rainbow Cup champs missed almost twice as many of their tackles. And therein, to me, lies the true tale. So good old Darcy Graham led his winning side in meters and defenders beaten. Edinburgh are quietly building some serious good stuff over in Scotland. And moving on, Leinster, not, not surprisingly, they completely destroyed Connacht. Despite the boys in green scoring first, you know, the, the final score was 47-19. to 19, And it pains me to say it, it never felt even that close. Leinster managed seven tries in all, along with 12 of the 14 possible extra points. Connacht actually had more time of possession and even had two more defenders beaten, but those stats were just meaningless in the onslaught that was Leinster. I'm still happy with how Connacht are doing on the whole. A result like this, you know, it should be hugely shocking to anyone who's familiar with this particular league. Connacht, take your three weeks, go play in the Euro Cup. We'll get back to the drawing board around Christmas. How's that sound? And then Ospreys were at home to meet Ulster. And what? <laughs> the first thing I wrote was, 
What is this terrible canary yellow being sported by the Ulstermen? It's, ugh, they look like Woodstock RFC. Boy, oh boy. So at least Ospreys were in their traditional intimidating black. Looked even better by comparison to the other kits. Uh, but I'm not convinced fashion or design are what will be tested here today. As the match wore on, I actually came to like the Ulster kit a little bit. There's sort of a retro Steelers vibe to it, I guess, a little bit. Uh, better crowd than I had thought at first as well. It's, it's good to see Welsh people actually watching rugby in person. It seems like that's what they should be doing. It looked cold as heck tonight, by the way. So 15 minutes no, saw no scoring at all. A yellow card for Osprey's Luke Morgan may turn things around one way or the other, I said. Uh, scoring was not easy to come by this evening. The match was knotted at 13 after 57 minutes. The home side added a couple penalties over the next 10 minutes, and then a little on-field controversy over whether or not Ulster could field enough qualified players for a contested scrum. I'm so fascinated by these things when they come along. So the the ref asks about 100 times before he's convinced that they've even understood the question. Uh, They go back to work with a serious question mark. That was a long walk for a small drink of water because a free kick to the Ospreys just to keep things going, and Ulster found no foothold at all after that. They bow, they bow out of this game six-point losers. It was 19-13 to 13 in the end. A surprisingly poor effort for them. and really uh, kind of surprised me. Next, of course, was Glasgow versus Dragons. I was pretty excited for this one. And after 15 minutes, Glasgow opened their account with the first score of the night. A lovely try near the left post. They would score two more, converting one while the Dragons just couldn't find their breath. Uh, a 19-0 shutout at the break. No scoring from, from anyone. For almost 20 minutes in the second frame, until Ali Price, he called his own number for a sneaky little try, which Ross Thompson, who I just now realized, looks exactly like Smiggle before he found the ring in the first place. Uh, he slotted one right through the middle of the uprights for a 26-point shutout. Uh, Glasgow's defense has looked great all night, but Dragons finally get themselves a try with about 15 minutes left to go. Sam Davies again looked good to me. I have to wonder... What is it that's keeping him out of the Wales squad? Because I think he's a standout. Is it his size? Am I missing something? Welsh fans, let me know. What am I missing on Sam Davies? So both teams would score and convert another try apiece. But in the end, the Warriors were convincing winners at home. 33-14 to 14 the score in their bonus point victory. It's your luck, and luckily my luck was in yesterday. I mean, it could have gone totally another way, and I wouldn't be here standing talking to you. You know, it's just, it's just one of those things. And that's right, the sound of the Glaswegian tells you it's time for a check-in on how the Scottish teams are faring in their division in the URC. So if we look at the battle for the Haggis Cannoli, Edinburgh are ahead with 28 points to Glasgow's 21. That's a bigger difference than I thought, actually. Uh, The two Italian teams are lagging behind despite last week's win over Glasgow. We see Benetton at 16 points in the league table. And Zebre their cellar dwelling with a single point their only reward for their entire campaign so far to be fair they've only played five games to most teams seven but the way it looks you know more games isn't exactly what's going to be helping them at this stage okay and then as you know we did have our south african derbies to replace the canceled matches or postponed matches as the case may be uh so 30 to 16 was the final result with sharks versus bulls and you know i'm gonna go ahead and admit I totally missed this one. I have nothing to report whatsoever. Um, I did look at the stats afterwards. Kicking seems to have told the tale on the day. Sharks slotted six pen- uh, penalty kicks to the Bulls, three. They also doubled the away side tries. That was two to one. 
I dislike watching matches where I already know the result, but I may have to make an exception in this case. I just want to kind of see what these teams are looking like right now. And then the Stormers versus the Lions. The Stormers, they looked pretty overwhelmed throughout. Gotta say, the camera work was reminiscent of Saving Private Ryan. I distinctly felt like I was watching footage from a war. It's just shaky all over the place. It was it was rough. So right at the end, Stormers got themselves a try for pride, but then immediately gave one back. Really just a morale breaker. I, I wrote down a morale backbreaker. I don't know if that's a phrase. The Visitors. They got out with a convincing 19-37 win. Weird to see, like, 200 people scattered throughout the giant stadium, but I guess that's progress. And, you know, it's good that they're there at all. So to check in with the overall league, I'm frankly shocked to see the points totals. With Leinster's surprising loss last weekend, uh, they find themselves leading the competition by only one league point. I'm shocked by that, with Edinburgh nipping at their heels. Woo! Ulster and Ospreys make up the rest of the top four overall with 29, 28, 25, and 21 points, respectively. Glasgow also have 21 points on the year, but they have one fewer win than Ospreys uh, by some divine trick. Uh, Munster, then, they have 19, and the boys in Connacht are tied with the Rainbow Cup winning Benetton at 16 points each. The rest of the table is sad, frankly. It goes Cardiff, 14, Lions and Scarlets at 11, Sharks and Dragons at 9, Stormers at seven, Bulls at five, and the winless Zebre, uh, clutching desperately to their single league point. It's worth noting uh, every team I just listed as below Benetton, they've only played five matches. So the with the super sad exception of Dragons, who find themselves bottom four despite having played two more games than everyone else. Uh, time to consolidate these Welsh teams, anyone? Anyone? Okay, that brings us to my most coveted Diamond in the Ruck Award. And this week, our award is going to Chris Harris. That's right, for yet another week of absolutely punishing defense. I mean, the guy, he he folds people like lawn chairs like it's his favorite hobby. And then he goes and gets you tries at the same time. He's like the ultimate two-way player right now. Over the last several weeks, it seems like Every tackle he makes just leaves the opposing player utterly laid out on the carpet, wondering where he is. But his ability to do so, so consistently, yet so accurately, and most importantly, legally, is what really caught my eye this week. So usually, someone who just lays people out like that, he en- ends up drawing the attention of the ref, who might then start to, to ping him just for the amount of pain being delivered. But in Harris's case, he's so clean and so controlled about it. There's just decisively nothing to blow the whistle about. It's incredible. On top of that, he's so quick after this off the floor, and he's one of the quickest thinking and versatile players on attack. Oh man, he's just, he's becoming a greater and greater asset, not just for his club, but for Scotland as well. He's going to be worrying a lot of people playing against him come Six Nations, and I, for one, cannot wait. Chris Harris, you lucky dog, you are without a doubt this week's Diamond in the Ruck. And of course, that at last brings us to our previews for next week. So let's look ahead. So as most of you will be well aware, both the Prem and the URC are taking a three-week break to make room for the opening stages of the European competitions. Yes. So the Heineken Cup, or the, the Champions Cup, and the Challenge Cup 
Once again, if you're not sure what I mean about all this, please check out my mini bonus pod entitled, What's the Deal with the European Rugby? That was originally posted on October 6th and is obviously available now. I plan to do, a, I'm going to do a dedicated preview pod just in a couple of days to sort of better highlight these incredible tournaments and what we can expect in the next three weeks. But in the spirit of this weekly pod, let's at least look to the first round of fixtures. So, whew, <laughs> I gotta say, I just got a little chill even thinking about this. It's, uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year for rugby. It really is. So, on Friday, December 10th, we will see Northampton. They'll be hosting perennial powerhouse Racing 92. That'll be in the Champions Cup. And in the Challenge Cup, Newcastle will be hosting the Worcester Warriors. And Lyon will be at home for a surging Gloucester team. So on Saturday, things really get kicked off then. The Champions Cup will feature the hapless, of course, Cardiff team scraping together a side at home against Toulouse. God knows how that's going to go. Hopefully injuries will be minimum. Um, Leinster will be hosting a struggling bath squad. I think we all know where that one's going. Bordeaux Begle will be at home to face the unbeaten Leicester Tigers. I have no idea what to expect from that. It's going to be so good. Then Bristol will be welcoming Scarlets. Clermont will be at home for Ulster. And Exeter will be at home in Sandy Park to face Montpellier. Woo, so many juicy matchups. Meanwhile, at the same time, the Challenge Cup is going to feature Zebre. They'll be gratefully at home to take on Biarritz. Uh, Saracens will be at the Stone X for Edinburgh. Oh, come on, Edinburgh. That could be a good one. Uh, Perpignan will be welcoming the Dragons, and Pau, uh, Poe, I think it is, will be taking on the London Irish. Finally, on Sunday, we get no Challenge Cup matches, but we get five juicy matchups for the Champions, uh, the Champions Cup, including Connacht. They'll be in Galway hosting Stade Francais. Ospreys will be hosting the spiraling Sail Sharks. What's up with them? Stade Rochelet are at home for Glasgow. Wasps will face whatever side Munster are able to field. <laughs> Who knows what that's going to look like. And last but not least, Cast will be looking to send a message to Prem Champions Harlequins. Wow, what a slate. And, you know, we don't, we didn't even really get into the nitty-gritty. So for that, my friends, you'll have to keep an eye out and check the mini bonus pod set to drop midweek this week. You know, the, these matchups between teams, like you, you, you feel like you know them intimately – other teams you've literally never seen before. Oh my God, it is the greatest. Well, my friends, that does it for yet another week, week 20. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for reaching out. It's always great to hear from you. As always, if you do want to get in touch, please do so. You can use Twitter. I am at of Scrum. You can find me at the Scrum of the Earth podcast on the Instagram. You can always just send an email to scrumoftheearth at gmail.com. I'm always happy to reply. If you can bring yourself to drop me a nice review, that would, you know, that would please me to no end. And if you like what we're doing here, there are a couple of ways you can show your support listed in the show notes for this episode. Again, thank you all for coming along. It's so great to have you just listening and participating. It makes me feel fantastic. All of you all over the globe, cheers. Talk to you soon and be well.
It gives me great pleasure to be here today. Oh, it does, Nate. 